This is Culture Surfing Podcast. We are back. We took a long hiatus. We were trying to figure some stuff out. Not so much amongst ourselves, but among, but, but more so kind of the network that we wanted to go and be a part of and kind of where the direction of the show that we wanted to take. And so we did take a long hiatus. We're back, though. This is going to be kind of a re-upping kind of episode. We're just going to get together, talk a little bit of basketball, mostly just kind of let you guys know about what our plans are let you know you know kind of the direction of the show and then of course you know we'll talk some hoops we'll we'll talk a little bit of mid mid-season basketball um we're gonna keep it a little bit superficial we're just gonna talk a little bit more about the season overall and then next episode we'll start diving into team by team stuff like we always have so first and foremost lance welcome back buddy man how's it going dude it feels good to be back man uh i know it's been a while but i think it was worth the wait i didn't just want to keep running our heads into a wall with no uh you know real uh production so i'm happy to be back in this capacity so lance is the one that's been in the lab with the pen and the pad trying to get this whole thing done so lance tell us bro what is our new gig and our new setup man let everybody know okay so uh i actually signed up for this because uh i mean i listen to a lot of their podcasts and, and i follow a lot of their their personalities on twitter and uh blue wire the Blue Wire uh, Podcast Network has a little program, and I'm, I'm being very modest by calling it little, but uh, it's called Blue Wire Hustle. And essentially what that is, it gives people a chance that otherwise probably didn't you know, have the platform to make their podcasts and also like, get a network with their podcast. Thankfully, me and Noe already had our podcasts. We already had everything running, artwork, and obviously we've had plenty of episodes with some, some nice guests. But this is a more consistent way of us to have a platform and a way to network, which I think is the most important uh, aspect of this uh, venture, I guess, if you want to call it that. Uh, but uh, but essentially, we're going to be under the Blue Wire Hustle Network uh, via the Blue Wire uh, Podcast Network. And I mean, we're just this is going to help us out with our views. I think it'll uh, make us a little bit more consistent as well. And uh, I, I just think it's uh, broadens a horizon, man. I, I think we can do a lot more. Like our ceiling is going to be a little bit higher uh, with this name attached to us. And I appreciate all the help uh, that's gone into it. Uh, everybody from uh, Ty Windish, uh, Tyler Chin, like those two guys have really helped us out. And I just wanted to shout those two uh, gentlemen out. Of course, there's many others, but uh, a lot of names. Like as Noe can tell you, there was a lot going on when we were doing the uh, the Zoom. There were so many people from all over the world and. I mean, it was, it was a wonderful experience and it was very professional. Uh, I mean, there's like a discord group that I'm in and I mean, I get all, we get all the answers we need in, in a very short amount of time. So long story short, this is still the culture surfing podcast. We got a little new artwork, uh, but this is a relaunch, but I mean, you can kind of, you can pretty much expect the same thing. We're going to talk about the same stuff. I'll have obviously me and Noe talking sports. We'll have guests on occasionally. I already have our first guest booked. It's just a matter of uh, you know, when we can get him on, but he, he's told me he's ready. Uh, it's, I don't want to give too much away, but he's an author of a, a book that just released, uh, recently. So we'll have him on. And of course I'll still have my music side as well. Uh, I have an idea of who our next guest will be for that, but, uh, I'll keep that on the hush for now, but yeah, no, I'm just happy to be back. Uh, I'm excited. Uh, it, honestly, it was frustrating for us to be sitting on our hands, or at least seemingly sitting on our hands. Uh, obviously we had a plan, but we just couldn't, I just didn't want to say anything until 
we actually did it. Cause you know, sometimes like you, you try to speak stuff into existence and it just like crumbles in your face and you know, it's just kind of embarrassing. So I just wanted to wait till we were officially in, but yes, we are officially part of the blue wire hustle team. Uh, with this uh, podcast being released, it will be released on a Monday. We're recording on a Saturday. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm just excited, man, to bring y'all great content and, uh, probably a lot more guests uh now uh with this uh venture so yeah no i'm ready for the the journey yeah so in essence culture surfing is what it always has been um it'll still be lance and i doing uh hoops talk and then lance and his guests talking you know a little bit of the uh, hip-hop side of the of the you know culture side of this so and it's the same deal. It's still the same two dudes. It's still going to be the same talk shows. It's still going to be the same kind of guests that we're going to be trying to get on the show. The biggest difference is that now we have a support structure behind us in Blue Wire Hustle Network. And that's kind of like what we were looking for is before we were doing this, we were doing this on our own. We were, you know, getting, we were making some progress. Don't get me wrong, but it felt like it was just slow. And this kind of gives us a big jump start and it gives us, you know, a, a support structure where we can really, you know, use that platform to try and grow and, and try and push the show further than maybe we would have in a faster time. And that's really the big goal that we're doing by making this move. That's basically what we're trying to accomplish is trying to get, you know, lands and I and culture surfing really moving as opposed to just slowly dragging along which like i said we were making progress it was just not fast enough for us because we just didn't have the support structure and because we just don't have the experience you know both of us are, are new to this we you know we love you know obviously talking hoops and that's really why we started all of this but a lot of people you know that have supported us along the way you know have definitely encouraged us to try and take this a little bit further and that is what this move is about is about pushing the show further along at a better pace and and really trying to see some growth in the show so we appreciate you guys for sitting tight for for as long as we were you know mia um we we're back on track now we should be doing weekly episodes like we usually do you know things should kind of get back rolled in the way they had been before you know hopefully the nba season continues to do what it does it always you know continue to entertain gives us something to talk about like Lance was mentioning, we'll have some new new guests. We may have some old guests come back on board. It's just a matter of, you know, getting this this ball rolling now. And now that with the support structure in the Blue Wire Hustle Network, we can definitely feel like we're going to make a lot more progress a lot faster. So without further ado, I know you guys, you know, aren't here for all the talk about what our show is doing or going to do. Let's get to talking about the nitty-gritty. The NBA season is now at the halfway point so we've got plenty to talk about we've obviously missed a lot we're not going to recap all of it within just a couple of minutes um that we're going to record this episode in so we're just going to get to some of the important things that everybody wants to hear right so just to give you guys a quick rundown we're going to talk about some mvp candidates we're going to talk about some trade talk we're going to talk about some of the things that have been bothering us throughout the season and then we'll talk about some you know, positive sides of what some teams are doing. And then we'll talk about some disappointing sides of it. So let's get underway. Uh, this is not not exactly the order that I planned this out in, but we're going to kind of switch it up a little bit because I kind of feel this makes more sense. So Lance, let's start with trade talk. Run me down, buddy. What What do you think? What do you see? What do you like? What do you don't like? What What are you not hearing, but you would like to see happen? Okay, so 
I'm going to address Elephant in the Room. There is one star that should definitely be on his way out of his terrible team, but the team has since uh, said they're not, not looking to trade him. Of course, people say that all the time, but I truly believe it because this team needs a player for people to get excited about. But also, this player has came out and said, and maybe it's a good PR on his end, he doesn't want to leave this team. And that's Bradley Beal. I really feel that there's a lot of suitors that can, can give something up for uh, Bradley Beal. And I think now is the time. I mean, because I believe it's it's this year and then next year. So uh, next year, he'll be an expiring. So when you when you trade him next year, you're not going to get as enough uh, haul. But I would love to see Bradley Beal. And this I've seen this float around. And this makes the most sense. I know maybe the Warriors should probably just focus on on losing right now and just get one last lottery pick. But I think the Warriors can go at him, man. Trade that uh, Minnesota top three protected pick. Obviously, you're going to have to give him filler. Uh, as weird as this sounds, uh, Wiggins is actually, I mean, he scored, what, 40 the other night? Uh, he's been looking a lot better defensively. And probably, I think that's more so because of the Warriors system. But either way, his trade value is up uh, from where it was in Minnesota. But I think you could trade the uh, the Minnesota top three pick. Go ahead and throw in uh, the Warriors pick from this year. Perhaps make it lottery uh, protected. And then one or two other future picks. Um, and pretty much you got a deal right there to match salary. So I, I that is the... Absolute trade I want to happen, but that will not happen. Uh, everything that I'm reading from all these beat reporters, from all these other teams, that this trade deadline is going to be quiet. Uh, I mean, yeah, I think there's going to be a move made, but I think everything that all, you see all the bloggers and writers talk about, that is the most exciting stuff that's going to happen. And it's all fantasy. I don't think anything substantial is going to happen. I think everything happened in the beginning of the season, ironically. Like that Harden trade is definitely going to be the best trade, the coolest trade that's going to have gone down this season you might see some teams retooling but it's hard for me to believe because now that we have the play in tournament it gives so many crappier teams the the false sense of security in the playoff structure so it makes it, it's something to sell the fan bases oh we're in the play-in so even though we're technically not an eight seed we could still make it to that eighth seed you know or seventh seed if we fight in enough and it's just as much as I like it, the playing tournament for the excitement it draws, it kind of sucks because then it stops us from having these kind of trade deadlines. Because now all these would-be sellers are now either they're sitting on their hands or maybe they're delusional and now they're even trying to buy. So, yeah, that's the deal I want to happen. I'm going to just let you all know now that the trades that I'm going to discuss are not really all that exciting. So if you're not a hardcore uh, Hoops fan, you're probably not going to care. So... I wanted to get the excitement out of the way first, and now here comes, I'm not going to say boring, but I mean, compared to trading Bradley Beal to the Warriors and that beautiful system that, that he would fit right into like a glove, uh, here's a trade that I have for you. Now, I actually have this in my uh, upcoming article for Def Pen, so I'll, let, I'll go ahead and sprinkle a little gems in here. So you'll like this one, or at least you'll appreciate it, I guess, Noe. So Victor Oladipo, right? He just had a pretty good outing the other night, even though he's he hasn't played much. The Rockets stink ever since Christian Wood went down. The Rockets are looking to save money, as you could tell with what they did with the Harden trade. They they, they got more draft picks than, than, than real players out of that. Uh, so Victor Oladipo to Dallas, okay? KP's not going anywhere, guys, for Mavs fans. He's not going nowhere, at least not until postseason or the offseason. Like, 
Dallas risked too much to get him. They got to see it out a little bit longer. But it's apparent. Luka needs another strong ball handler slash scorer. Now, Oladipo may be not as strong as he used to be, but he can definitely be a third option, second option on a team, like on a playoff team. Uh, he's just been expected to do too much recently uh, the last couple of years. But I think he could he could fit behind Luka. I don't want to say fit behind KP because KP is too inconsistent. So uh, he'll kind of be like our 2A, 2B player. Um, but yeah, so in that deal, it would have to be James Johnson's expiring. It's about $16 million expiring. So that gives Houston a reason to be like, okay, well, we're going to expire and we're still saving our money. Money's coming off the books. And at this point, maybe a couple of years ago, uh, Oladipo would be worth a first round or two, but no, not now. Uh, so at this point, Dallas could just trade two second round picks and maybe throw in a, a trade filler to make it work. So like uh, Wessie Wundu, uh, I'm not going to give up on Josh Green so quick. And I really don't think, uh, I don't think they need to throw that in. The two second round picks, Wessie Wundu and James Johnson for Victor Oladipo. I can see that happening because with Dallas, they're so worried about free agency. Oladipo is going to be a free agent. If they acquire Oladipo, they gain his bird rights, meaning they can pay him that fifth year if, for whatever reason, contract talks get to that fifth year. So they can automatically give him more money than any other team. And that's an advantage Dallas hasn't had in free agency. So to look at it, if they get Oladipo, just look at it as, yeah, they can they can keep him. Or, hey, if he didn't work out, it only cost him two second-round picks and an and expiring of a guy that you probably weren't going to resign anyways. What do you think about that? I think I keep – I say we. I'm obviously not with the organization. But as a Mavs fan, I say we. Um, we definitely aren't giving anything up, right? Like, I can't remember the last time the Mavs actually did anything with second-round picks. So, to me, <laughs> those are basically things that are just there to give away. Um, just use them to fill trades. And this is exactly what they're using that for. So I'm cool with that. Give away the two first rounders. James Johnson, cool dude. You know, he's served the purpose that they signed him for in my mind. But Oladipo is obviously would would obviously be a much more productive player in the Mavs system than than James Johnson is currently, right? And that's just a fact of life, regardless of how how much Oladipo has fallen off. Um so I'm cool with that. I actually really like that. It, I don't feel like you're giving anything up. I feel like you're getting a, a pretty good player in return. He's a player that's going to have to play for his money. So he should, you know, the effort should definitely be there. And then it's up to you to decide in this, in this sense, it's up to the Mavs to decide whether they want to try and pursue a long-term deal, you know, or not. And then obviously having the bird rights would help. You know, my fear would be is that because the Mavs are so horrible on free agency that they would want to secure and overpay for Oladipo, including that fifth year. And then all of a sudden we have a bad contract in Porzingis, who is constantly injured. And then now one in Oladipo, which would obviously not necessarily make me the happiest person if he had a long-term deal with the Mavs. Yeah, that and that's the thing. Uh, so recently, well, I don't want to say recently, but uh, earlier in the season, Oladipo was apparently offered a, a two-year extension with Houston and he declined it. Um, now you can look at that two ways. You could say, oh, he wanted more money or two, he didn't want to be with Houston. I mean, he was traded there. It wasn't like he asked to go there, but yeah, I, I really don't know about Oladipo because I believe he's 29 years old, somewhere around there. 
And with all these injury issues, like quad issues and stuff like that, dangerous stuff, right? A five-year deal. That he'd be 35 or 34 by the end of it, right? Um, so most definitely does not warrant a five-year deal. That doesn't mean that the player doesn't think that he deserves one. That's the problem in all of this, is that the player may still think he needs to give a five-year deal. And somebody in the league will go out and pay yeah, a five-year deal right. for a player like Oladipo because there's just enough bad teams with money that would do it. And so that's really the problem with it. Now, if you're Dallas, you have to be ready to let him walk. If he's if he's think if he's overvalued himself, you have to be ready to let him walk. And and I know that Mavs fans don't like hearing this, but the cap space will do you better in this say in this case than it would be to to overpay on a long term deal for Oladipo. The thing is, um, the, the I mean, the free agency. Uh, not window, but like just the landscape is just not pretty anymore. Like Giannis was out there. There was a lot of other teams out there, uh, you know, and they have since re-signed or did extensions. So it's like DeMar DeRozan, Victor Oladipo, Rashawn Holmes from the Kings. Like it's really, I'm not, I don't want to say it's bleak, but there's going to be like, those guys are going to get deals that probably they otherwise wouldn't if there was a better free agent field out there. But those guys, someone's gonna have to throw money at them, and and I and I know we want to keep talking about cap space, cap space. This, the Mavs have done nothing with all those years that they had cap space. They filled it in with Wes Matthews or one years for DeAndre Jordans or Chandler Parsons. Like at a certain point, the Mavs just have to sign good players. And you know what? In this day and age, what is a overpay anymore? Like we've seen some very horrible contracts get signed and somehow they get traded a couple years later, you know, like, and I'm not saying they should quote unquote overpay for Oladipo, but they got to make moves. I mean, a couple years ago when they re-signed everybody and the only significant signing they made was Seth Curry, which was a great signing, but they, they were waiting on players like Danny green. Like they let players like Danny green, hold them up in free agency when they could have went after other like talent. So I don't want to talk too much about the Mavs, but let's just put it like this. I, I put this trade out there because it's a way to force the Mavs to like do something big. Like, I mean, yes, they did something big with KP, but like it's obvious like they're best in trades. They're not best in the free agent market. They're the best at making trades, at least not in the whole NBA, but like in their organization, free agency is not their strong suit, right? Trades are, and this is how no, – this, this is their wheelhouse, and this is what you got to do. Uh, because I'm at this point, I don't high, have a high expectations for free agency. I really don't. Uh, so that this is their way of, of at least like knocking down the door and, and, and getting a end up getting a piece. You got anything else on trade talk, or you uh, want to move on to the? What do you got? What do you got? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'll throw in. I'll, th- I'll throw in another trade. Uh, so the Celtics are struggling. Obviously, like badly. I mean, they're literally a game below 500 right now. I, I mean, at, and it's not like they've had like crazy injury issues. Now, they've had some COVID stuff, as unfortunately the rest of the league has been dealing with. But their main issue is the point guard that they signed a few years ago that was supposed to be a star player. He's just not aging well. It's Kemba Walker. Knee issues. You know, it's like up to Tatum and Brown to do everything. Now, granted, Brown has had a, a wonderful season. Like, you can argue at times he's better than Tatum overall. Now, I still think Tatum's going to be the better player, but you can still argue Brown's better. 
um, as of at least right now. But they need, first of all, they need another guard. And this this guard isn't necessarily in the same wheelhouse as Kimball Walker in that he doesn't have the best handles and all that, but he's the better playoff guard. He's the guy that you can stick on two or three players and he can switch. He won't get lost in the sauce. You know, he won't get, you know, like Kemba is kind of small. He won't get dominated or, or made a fool of like in the playoffs defensively. And that guy's Lonzo Ball. Okay. His shot is his shot is as good as it's been in a long time. Dude, you joke right now, but I'm gonna pull up his numbers right now and I'm gonna tell you what his numbers are, shooting wise. Because I know his shot is ugly and everything. <laughs> uh, what has happened to the world of the NBA? We're trying to give up freaking Kemba Walker for Lonzo Ball and thinking this is an upgrade. This Listen, is this is the league that we're living in now. <laughs> at, on, on almost eight attempts, on almost eight attempts, he's shooting thirty eight percent. He's averaging fourteen points, and we already know he's one of the best passers in the league. Like it doesn't get talked about because, I mean, he's not on. He's on a team with Zion, so obviously, anytime you're on a team with Zion, you're not going to get talked about a lot. He just had a career high in assists the other night. And and the beauty, beautiful thing about Lonzo was he's not going to be asked to to carry the ball because that's not really what he's asked to do in New Orleans either. But but he'll but in the Celtics, he'll fit right in. Um, I mean, he's going to be like on days like the third, fourth, fifth option, but he can still create. And it, it will fo- it will force defenses to be like, okay, well, we can't just worry about Tatum and Brown and and sometimes smart. And in the playoffs, Alonzo's going to be able to just guard whoever. I mean, there's I, there's been games where Alonzo was given Luka issues. So, yeah, that that's uh, – I have to obviously tell you what, what's in the trade, but that's pretty much the, the two guys involved. So, for this, Norman's definitely going to have to get some draft uh, assets in return. Uh, so, we'll go ahead and say Celtics give up uh, their draft pick this year which honestly is going to – I mean, it probably won't be a lottery pick, but it's going to be a nice mid-range pick. You know, it's, it's not like it's going to be in the high 20s. It'll be like 20, 21, something like that. And, and you know, we know that uh, the Pelicans can make that work. Also, and you have to skip every other year because of stipend rule. So then we'll do uh 2023 pick and 2025 pick. And, I mean, if you want to put protections on there, that's fine. But I just wanted to say, like, kind of what would be involved here. And then for the contract go-in, uh, we're going to definitely have to do something there. So uh, the center that the Celtics have, uh, what is his name? Tice. Tice would be great because he's on an expiring because right now the Pelicans already have, you know, some centers uh, on their roster. But he's an expiring, so if they wanted to, they can either trade one of their younger centers, you know, and keep Adams and Tice, or they could just let him expire and collect those tip, uh, those tips. My goodness, I'm thinking about work already. Uh, collect those picks, and then for the sake of like getting uh, some young talent, acquire uh, Aaron Nesmith from the Celtics, and that guy was just drafted uh, in the in the first round this past year. Uh, he's a somewhat of a three point shooter. And he can play, you know, the guard and the forward. So, and they'll have his, they'll have his rights for at least four plus years. So, yeah, that, that's pretty much the the groundwork for that trade. I mean, it, it helps uh, Celtics uh, for this year. And I mean, 
it might cap them moving forward, but I mean, it gives them uh, better pieces. They'll still have Kemba Walker. So that, I mean, if they want, they can have Kemba come off the bench and focus solely on being a six man, which I think at this point in his career would probably be the best moving forward. Although having a six man being paid on max contract is not ideal, but you know, you can always flip him later. Yeah, no, I actually think that Lonzo would be a good fit in Boston. I, I've not been the biggest Lonzo ball fan throughout the, his career. Um, and I mean, a, a lot of that's probably because I can't stand his dad. Um, and then I can't stand the, the way that he's kind of sold the whole family. Right. But I'm not going to get into that right now. Uh, I do, I do like the fit. I think Lonzo is a good enough facilitator and a good enough defender that he would be a better fit in that starting lineup with the rest of the Celtics starting lineup than Kemba Walker is. And I actually do like the idea of Kemba being able to come off the bench and carry the offense off the bench. Um, the, the Celtics, they lack, they lack that. So it's good to have somebody that can score at the clip that Kemba can off the bench for them. So I, I overall do like the trade um, as much as I am not the biggest Kem or not the biggest Lonzo ball fan. So that I like that one. I like that one. Um, I agree with you as far as three, the, the three trades that we talked about, um, you know, the Beal deal, I don't, I don't think he's moving the season. I think, you know, I, I'm sorry for all you guys sitting in front of the trade machine uh, on your computer right now, but it's just, it's probably not happening. Like he's not going to move until the off season at the least. Um, and then, you know, the Oladipo deal. I like that. I think the deal that I like the most probably is, is that Oladipo deal just because I think he fits what the Mavs need and it, and he'd be coming for a really cheap price. And then the Lonzo deal, I think the Celtics, they have a lot of options. I think, obviously, Lonzo would be a, a good fit. I also think they can go a lot of different directions just because they have a good team. Now, we're, the next thing that we're talking about today is, is uh, disappointing teams midway through the season, which is just a perfect transition because the team that I had lined up for this question for disappointing team or most disappointing team midway through is the Celtics. Um, they've just not been consistent. They've had, they, when, they, when they've looked good, they look good. And then when they look bad, they look awful. And so, for me, the answer to that question has to be the Celtics. It, this is a team that you would have expected to be competing for maybe the three seed in the in the East. And right now, they're are they hanging on for dear life to what is it, the seventh or eighth right now? Yeah, they're one game below five hundred at the, at this point. So, and this is playing in the East, and I get it. Like whenever the net the Nets made the move that they made, you know, they catapulted themselves up to the top of the East, but. Still, I expected that the Celtics would definitely be competing for, you know, higher seeding. That said, the East has been really inconsistent as a whole. They're really only a game and a half behind the Heat in the four seed. So a short stint could quickly change the seeding. My my positioning as far as the disappointment with them isn't so much because of the seeding. It's more so because of the quality of play, right? Like if they were playing great basketball, and somehow we're in the AC because the East is just super competitive, then I, it would be different. Um, but they could be in the fourth seed right now, and I would still be disappointed by their play because they've just been bad. They've been inconsistent, and then when they've been bad, they've been bad, bad. They've been awful. And I think that's why, to me, I feel like that's probably the most disappointing team midway through. Okay, so uh, I, have my, I have my team, but I do want to I want to talk about the Celtics for just a couple minutes. Uh so I was reading the article yesterday. It's uh, from Henry Abbott, the gentleman that uh, created True Hoop uh, blogs. And there's a lot of guys that are 
that were on ESPN or that are on ESPN that came from that blog, blogosphere. And he put out a great report, and it's a, pretty much a graph of all the teams that had the most players in the uh, COVID uh, safety protocol situations, which essentially means they miss games. Boston Celtics are at the top of that list. So they were, they were without Tatum for, for quite a bit. There were a lot of other players. I don't really have exact numbers in front of me, but uh, yeah, it's, it, it's been rough for them. And Dallas is, is literally right next on the list. And as, as Mavs people, we know that, right? Like we lived it for like weeks on end, but that didn't help. You know, and, and obviously everyone's kind of going through it, but but when you lead the league in COVID protocols, it it's horrible, right? Because I mean, yeah, you come back, but then you're still having to, from what we know, COVID, like even after you're supposedly like free of it, it still stays with you, and it's one of those issues that it's in your lungs and stuff. And I mean, basketball is big on cardio, so I can only imagine what the players are going through trying to recover, you know, trying to get back, but unfortunately that's not the only thing that's wrong with the Celtics. You know, Kemba Walker's knee is bad ever since he got the knee injection. It just, it doesn't feel like it's gotten any better. Uh, their bench production is, I mean, it's a lot of young guys that maybe a couple years ago would have been great on the Celtics. Like, you know, Grant Williams or Aaron Neesmith or Carson Edwards, uh, Peyton Pritchard, their backup shooting guard actually has shown some bright moments, but I mean, to be realistic, man, like, this is where Danny Ainge just has to be like, all right, I know we've been stockpiling these draft picks and stuff, but what has it done? Like, you gotta, you gotta let it loose, let these youngins go, let go of some draft picks, and and get some real veteran talent because yeah, they got veteran talent in Jeff Teague, but for the most part, I mean, he hasn't really been anything of relevance. Tristan Thompson is supposed to be your like defensive big that the Celtics have been needing for years, but he is nowhere near his uh, Cleveland Cavalier days, so. Yeah, I, I just – I don't know, man. Like like you said, the Brooklyn Nets made that great trade, and it just kind of forced the the Eastern Conference to step its game up, and and, and it, it knocked the Celtics out of the – off their tier. Like, I really thought the Celtics would be like, oh, they could challenge for the finals, but now they might not even sniff the Eastern Conference finals. They might not even get out the first round with how, how they're playing right now. Uh, so that's all I'll say about that. If they don't manage, if the Celtics don't manage to get themselves into better seating and they end up having to play either, you know, the Bucks, the Nets, and I, I really, the Sixers, I feel like that's that'd be a toss-up, and I know that I'm, I'm low on the Sixers compared to a lot of people, but I don't know. I, I, I'm just not a big, uh, until they can do it in the playoffs, I'm not buying it. Um, but if they face the Nets or the Bucks. Yeah, they're they 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 could very well be out in the first round, so they they have to improve their seating. I mean, if they even if they get up to five and they have to play the Heat in the first round, that's not good for them either. I mean, it's it's if, especially if they don't improve their play. If they're playing, they're playing right now, and they play the Heat in the first round, they're out. I mean, let's put it like this, y'all. Atlanta just fired its head coach not long ago, and Atlanta's ahead of them. The New York Knicks are ahead of them, and the Charlotte Hornets are ahead of them. So that just kind of lets you know how bad they're struggling. All right, so uh, my team, I just wanted to touch on uh, the Celtics for a little bit, but my team is actually the Denver Nuggets, man. Like, after what we saw in the bubble last year, I was sold. I mean, even before then, I had high hopes for them, but the way that obviously they made history by coming back, you know, down 3-1 and and going to the West Conference Finals, and honestly giving LeBron and, and Co. a decent outing, even though they lost in five. I mean, there was obviously a game or two where it could have went the other way, and that's just how 
cookie crumbled or whatever. But they, on the other hand, with the COVID protocol stuff, they haven't really been touched that much by it. Uh, aside from, obviously, Michael Porter Jr., a.k.a. the guy that doesn't even believe in it at all, uh, he was the only one that really, you know, was in the safety uh, COVID safety protocols. Um, other than that, man, it's just been terrible defense. Um, in the beginning, Jamal Murray just started out so terribly. Meanwhile, Jokic is putting up MVP numbers. Like, I mean, it. it I mean, you have him in your fantasy. It's like he has a triple double every freaking night. And you know, that's not the only thing that leads to you know to uh, MVP talks to triple doubles. But I mean, it, it's up there for them. Um, Defensively, they've, they've kind of came back. You know, they're 14th uh, of uh, out of 30 teams in defensive rating. Their offense, of course, was never an issue. They're, they're third right now in offensive rating. But defensively, they just started out so bad. They lost games to, like, the Kings, and I believe they lost to the Wizards once. Uh, They've they just been dropping games that they otherwise shouldn't. I know, uh, like I said, we're recording this on Saturday. Friday night they they had they had to pull a comeback versus the Bulls. They should never be in these positions. Uh it's it's quite confusing. But I mean they find themselves, I believe they are sixth right now. Where are they at? They are they are tied for fifth uh in the West, but basketball reference is kind of different with how they do the standings. I believe they are because Portland and Denver both won last night, so they technically have the same uh, record as each other. So I think they're actually fifth. But regardless, they should have been a top three seed. I know Phoenix has been really great, but the continuity that Denver has that most teams in the league don't, you would have thought by now like their chemistry would have granted them like a top three seed in the West with how they played, how they finished the year. Um, but that's my team. I mean, compared to the Celtics, they're they're in a lot better position because they could easily find their way in the top three, top two seeding. So maybe I'm picking hairs here, but for them to have a MVP level player, and technically, you know, yeah, they're fifth seed, but it's just they really should they 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 started weak from the jump, and yeah, they, they since it is we're in the second half now that. They're they're better, but like in the beginning, yeah, they they were just not that good, man. They were playing like five hundred basketball. Yeah, yeah. The the Nuggets, it's it just never feels like their performance matches their talent. It, like they have so much to offer. Obviously, Jokic is my beast on freaking fantasy, so I know that he's been balling, but. As a whole, the Nuggets just—they're just not coming through. They're not performing, and it's disappointing. But it is—it is what it is. I—I I do think that the Nuggets have to be—they have to be judged based on what they do in the playoffs, ultimately. Um, so, to me, their season won't be a failure until until we see what their playoff performance is. Obviously, up to this point, it's not looking great, but they need to—they need to, you know definitely step it up and they need to have a strong playoff performance for sure. Speaking of Jokic, that leads us to our next point. Halfway through the season, let's let's get into some early MVP talk. Um let's go top 5. Top 5 MVP candidates so far for the season. I'll let you go first and then I'll chime in. So so far and this this is subject to change as I told you with some injuries, but I mean Embiid's got to be number 1. Like I never imagined that Philadelphia would have, you know, 
be top of the East. I mean, only two games away from being tied with Utah, you know, as the best team in the league. And their defense is second of 30 defensive rating. And I mean, let's be honest, that's mainly Embiid. He's one of the most dominant bigs that we have in the game. And yeah, his injury issues are a thing, which is what we're seeing again. But he has taken his team and put it at new heights. And, you know, you could say the new coaching and obviously, you know, new uh, executives with Darren Morey in there. But Embiid, to me, is, is a catalyst. And they're number one in the East, and they have a subpar offense. They're 14th offensive rating. So that's pretty much like meandering. It's just like in the middle. But for you to be top of the East and also close to the top in the West, which is impressive, uh, Embiid has to, has to take uh, – has some stock for MVP – I mean, honestly, at this point, if you don't have him like top two, like it's kind of mind boggling. Um, so my number two is LeBron. I really don't. I know like a lot of people want him to win one more award, but he's really had better years than this. But what I will say is when Anthony Davis went out, I was like, oof, like they're probably going to slide. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to be like top two, but they stayed, you know, intact top two. Anthony Davis should be coming back soon. And we all know the Lakers are really just focusing on the playoff run for Anthony Davis. But you can argue that LeBron keeping them afloat and still like holding up defensively like is impressive. Uh, number three is Jokic. I mean, I I want to have him number one, but with his team standings, I, I can't. I, I just can't. Like he he's number definitely number three for me, though. He's putting up uh Crazy numbers in spite of his team, like kind of dragging their feet at times. Uh, then four is Giannis. I know a lot of people are probably having uh, MVP uh, talk, like fatigue of Giannis, but like they're only two games away from Brooklyn, like for the second uh, seed in the East, and and they're only what one loss away from Philly. You know, since you know with all the postponed games, it kind of throws off the standings, but. But Giannis deserves to be in MVP talks. And then last but not least, I haven't had him in a couple years, but Dame Lillard, man. Damian Lillard. Like, I want to put Luka there so bad, but Dame's team's in the clutch. I don't have the numbers put up in front of me, but I keep seeing it uh, on Twitter for all these st- uh, stats websites, stats accounts, that he's he's the leader in, like, clutch efficiency. And we've seen it. Like, last night, the Mavericks pretty much, I don't want to say they had the game in the bag, but they had the rhythm. I mean, eight points is really nothing, like in the NBA, like eight-point lead. But they had the rhythm. They had the momentum. And all it took was some mishaps and Dame getting hot again. I mean, he he's, he deserves to be in MVP talks. Like, yeah, his team is like six in the West. But he did that while CJ McCollum was out with the leg injury. Um, his starting center is like always out, like due to uh, – you know, due to injury. And I'm, uh, uh, Yusuf Nurkic, by the way, sorry. Yeah, so Yusuf Nurkic with a wrist injury has been out. It feels like he's been out for like two months or so. And he's kept that team in the, in the float of the Western Conference out of the play-in situation, mind you. He deserves to have some MVP love. So that's my list for as of now, anyways. Now that we heard your list, if you had to pick a favorite, because obviously this is the halfway point, if you had to pick a favorite to who actually ends up maintaining the performance level that they're at right now in the case of Embiid, obviously. And 
who or does somebody else edge him out? Like, the, who who wins the title or who wins the the trophy in the end? Oh, this is what I think is going to happen because revisionist history last year, where they were trying to say it was so close between LeBron and, and Giannis, and it was not. I'm sorry, like I, I I am not a LeBron hater. Like, I really don't care for like people that do that, and I know sometimes it's warranted. But no, LeBron had no should have had no chance of be, just because. Giannis fizzed out in the playoffs. That has nothing to do with the regular season, okay? Because that team absolutely dominated. Giannis put up Shaq-like dominant numbers. And I'm not even kidding. Like, Shaq-like dominant numbers, which warns MVP talk. And LeBron is, I mean, as good as he is, he's not as good as he was when he deserved to win over, say, Derrick Rose and people like that. You can't just make up history like that. But I feel the way that the Lakers are staying intact without Anthony Davis and... And they're not honestly not. They're like there's a lot of flaws in that roster, and LeBron still is making it like making it work. Uh, I think LeBron ends up winning MVP this year. Like since Embiid will miss time, the the missed games will will count against him. Although you could say if Philly does slide, you can make a case of like look how they played without him, right? So I still think he's gonna get some votes, but I ultimately think LeBron's gonna win, even though Jokic to me is putting up the better body of work. Uh, the name, obviously, and where he's at in the standings is going to count against Jokic. I think LeBron ends up winning his last MVP. Yeah, I have to agree. I I have to agree. I think the, the thing about the uh, MVP trophy in the NBA is that it's it's very political, right? It's a highly politicized trophy. Like everybody, there's voter fatigue that has to go into it, right? So like that pretty much automatically knocks out Giannis out of it. That there's also you know the remembering how last season went down, like you mentioned, and it being so close. And then there's the fact that Embiid is going to miss time. And this it's also kind of like the first time he's really kind of putting the season together consistently enough to even be in the consideration. It just doesn't feel like the voters would vote him for the trophy in the first time he's even considered for it. Right. And that's kind of the way I feel about Jokic as well. Like Jokic is having a great season, but the team is underperforming. And it's also the first time that he's probably being considered for an MVP. I feel like, you know, a last for Raw for LeBron is probably where it ends up. And uh, it feels weak, right? But I felt that way before about other MVPs. Um, But I'm not going to be upset if LeBron wins it just because, you know, he, he did, he has stepped up during the AD injury and, and, I expect Embiid to miss time, and I think that knocks him off of it. And unless the the Nuggets somehow have a miraculous end of the season, right? Like if the Nuggets go on a tear the second half of the season, led by Jokic, then maybe I would probably start pushing some chips on the Jokic table. For now, I think I'm going to stick with the LeBron. I think I agree with you there. Well, let's get this wrapped up, man. We got a couple minutes left. Final topic we're talking about today is so far through the halfway point of the NBA season or a little bit more than the halfway point of the NBA season. We knew, we talked about this last whenever we, we, uh, you know, we stopped recording before we stopped recording. We talked about this and talked about this season, kind of what we were expecting as far as the on the court product being out of the bubble, how COVID would affect the season and kind of just altogether how we expected the short turnaround to also affect the product on the court. Now that you've seen a little bit more than half of the season, 
this is gonna be a two-part question here. A, how do you feel about the the NBA product as a whole so far this season? And you can even toss in the All Star shenanigans in there, which I know is not necessarily something that we, you and I normally care about very much, but it has been something that people have had as a talking point here recently, right? Because of the way that it was done. So, what have you thought so far of the NBA product as a whole? Is part A to the question, and then part B. What would you say would be your biggest gripe about how it's all gone down so far? I think the way the balance of who gets to have their game postponed between or the the, the games that have to be played, even though you only have like eight players. I think that's it's kind of been a gray area, man. Like I said, Dallas was rolling out some rosters where guys that should never have playing time or not have like 10 plus minutes but they had to play the games. Meanwhile, there's other teams that got so many postponed opportunities. And so to me, that's why there's there's a little, some odysseys in the standings like the Celtics. Like I truly believe the Celtics win, should not have fallen that hard, but that's because they had to go without Tatum and all this. Uh, and then you know what? Like also like having the all-star game, I thought it was pointless, like, Everyone thought it was pointless. I know they try to hide behind, oh, we're doing it for HBCUs and stuff like that, which in theory is great. But how about you just give them the money and and announce who the players that were should have been all stars and, and and had it at that and not had the game, you know? But like obviously, money talks. Turner Sports expects to have you know that because they make a lot of money. Uh, we talked about how the uh, condensed schedule was going to hurt uh, productivity, you know. There's been a lot of uh, a lot of okay. These guys have to rest because I mean, hell, they're playing. It seems like it seems like a team is playing every other night. Like the same team is playing every other night. There's a lot more back to backs, and we knew it was going to suck. Now, obviously, there's some. There's been some great moments sprinkled in, but I just think without the bubble, we all knew that the game, the season was going to be tainted in some way. Man, like too many players having to miss out. Too many teams not getting the opportunity to have their games postponed. And I know having the games postponed kind of sucks too because then that's another that's another uh, game like that you didn't get to win. But at the same time, losses count more. So the teams that had to play in these circumstances and they only had eight players to suit up, they – I mean, come on. Like you have only eight players and sometimes it's your star player and you got to play a team that's full. Like I understand injuries happen, but COVID's different, man. That's It's not the same. So – that's been my biggest gripe of the year so far, just how they handled COVID without the bubble. I hope they, and I know it's the part of the players that agrees, right? Like the players have to agree to it. And I understand not wanting to be in the bubble for like nine months out of the year. I totally get that. I don't expect them to, but we also knew what was about to happen, you know, when you make that risk. So I hope in the playoffs, they can at least incorporate some kind of mini bubble, which I think will make it a little bit more smoother uh, it seems that more teams are starting to get their vaccines. Uh, there are, there's been reports uh, from the athletic that a lot of players don't want to take the vaccine. And we like to think of the NBA as some super hyper aggressive, uh, progressive league, but at the end of the day, it's a, it's a capitalist company, you know, like they're trying to make money. Like not everyone, like, yeah, you can hide behind humanitarian efforts, but with how they handle some of the stuff, like they are not who we thought they were. Yeah, they're more progressive than NFL, but I mean, that's like saying you're more progressive than your 80 year old racist grandpa or something. 
It's not really saying as much. So that's what's been disappointing to me, man. Like that's the veil has been uncovered and we're seeing what's really what. And I mean, I, I'm not saying the the NBA is just terrible people. Cause I mean, look, every business has to open up at some point. Like it's not that they don't care about you, but like money has to come in. And, and we knew like you, for the NBA, the players are putting themselves out there, just like people on the front lines are putting themselves out there to make money for their family. So they're no different, right? Like if I got to work, they got to work, I guess, although they're working for a lot more money than I am. So I wouldn't really complain as much, but they're, they're putting it. Uh, the players were put in some very compromising positions as were, you know, people that were with the team that weren't even coaches, like people that travel with the team, like ball boys or whatever, like it's, it's bad for everybody, but that's been my most disappointing thing. The biggest gripe is how they handled it with the discrepancy between uh, teams that got to get postponed games and then the teams that didn't and had to just take those L's dude. Yeah. It's, I think, I think it's hard for me to, to be upset as a whole for the situation. Like we expect this was going to happen, right? We knew that it was going to be an, a, a, a season of just kind of like having to chug through a lot of issues, right? We, we expected that. The problem is, is that I don't see how the NBA could have done much better. That's really the issue is I don't know that the league could have done much differently to done, you know, to, to, to improve the situation. You know, they're, they're obviously the, the condensed season is, be, you know, trying to get back on track and have the, the next season start on time. And then, you know, obviously, you know, be really difficult to ask the players to sit in the bubble for, the, you know, the entire length of the season. Um, and then, you know, they, they have commitments to their networks to make sure that they put out, you know, a certain amount of games to, you know, create revenue and the all-star game, which to us feel optional, you know, there's obviously contractual obligations that they have to comply and they have to meet and things like that, where I feel like to a certain extent, yes, the NBA maybe could have taken a stronger stance, but at the same time, you, 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 you want to put some of that also on Turner Sports where it's like, dude, you guys could also have cut them some slack and been like, you know what, don't worry about the All-Star game. But it comes down to revenue. It comes down to commitments that were already made and designed to, to, to happen long before anything involving COVID even was a thing. Unfortunately for the fan base, it does, you know, it does show you where you know, the true commitment to the NBA is. And, and and unfortunately, you know, for a lot of people that maybe live in a world of sunshine and rainbows, you know, and the league did a great job of portraying itself that way last season with, you know, the, the social, you know, progressive movements and then the bubble play and, you know, showing that it wants to, you know, protect its players. And then this season came and it's just like, it's just not a feasible reality for them to be able to sustain that kind of effort, not just as a league, but also, you know, asking of it from the players in the end, you know, it's, it's, it's always about the money. It's always been about the money. It'll always be about the money. And anybody that tries to tell you otherwise is probably just naive to the fact that this is just the way that life works. Unfortunately, the people making these decisions 
are likely sitting at home safe, you know, risking little to nothing, you know, while reaping the rewards of, you know, all of the risk and labor of a bunch of other people, including, like you said, players, coaches, ball boys, anybody really involved with the teams that are being exposed, obviously, to, to you know, the hazards of continuing to play the NBA season the way they have. And this doesn't mean that, you know, that they've all been doing their part either, right? Like the players are running around getting haircuts from barbers that are COVID positive. Um, you know, I'm sure James Harden's been hanging out at the strip club, you know, like it's just, it's just part of it, right? Like if, if, if you, if you can't also sit here and complain about COVID protocols and then not do your part to also limit it. And it's just the thing that we've seen as a society, it's borderline impossible to get all of us to do the same thing, right? Like, we have here in Texas, you know, the, there's like a big divide between the maskers and non-maskers, if you will, right? The guys that don't want their freedom entrenched and then the people that don't, you know, don't think that your freedom should, you know, overstep my health. It's just kind of one of those things that there's a big divide and looking at it in the NBA as a microcosm of the same societal issues that we're experiencing as a whole in the country, it's just a lot there, you know, like it's a lot to try and conceivably, conceivably think that you can really get the league and the players to comply. And so it's very easy for them to victimize themselves. It's like, Oh, they're making us play in this all-star game. Cause it's in our CBA. Like, bruh, calm down. Half of the guys that are in this thing, aren't complying with their own COVID protocol safety things in their personal lives. So the fact of the matter is, is that it's really hard for me to put a blame on one specific entity in this whole thing, because I could really say the players aren't doing their part to, to make sure that they're staying safe for other players safety. The league hasn't put their foot down. Turner sports cares more about their money than they do about who's making it. Ultimately, there's way too much blame to go around and it and and as an NBA fan it's hard for me to even sit here and say oh I'm really upset about this like I'm offended that the fact that the NBA is still doing it you know and that this is the product that they're putting out because you have to understand that there's a lot of more bigger issues at play in this whole scenario it's just the fact of the matter that if if the league is dealing with it and like I said and we're seeing it and it is really just a microcosm of what society as a whole is experiencing and i know you guys out there listening you may fall on either side of the coin especially if you're here in texas with the whole mass mandate ending and whatever else i'm not going to get political about it you know but you know you also understand you know that that there is two sides to this and and that if we can't agree on it we can't expect that the league would be able to get everybody on the same page either and it's just tough it's tough right but it is what it is, you know. Um, some some people care about other people's safety, and some people feel that a mask is oppression. And you know, whatever. I if if the my point of view is if if a mask is the biggest form of oppression you've experienced in your lifetime, you should probably be more busy counting your blessings than it should be sitting here bitching about having to wear a mask. And that's just the way I feel about it personally. But we'll we'll end at that. You know, I think. You know, the league will continue to play the, the season out the way it has. I don't think that it has much of a choice. I don't think the players have much of a choice. I think that 
I'm curious to see how they decide to handle a bubble situation in the playoffs. Um, if they even decide to do anything like that, I think at this point, the, the the fact of the matter is that most of the damage will be done, right? Because if you're a team like the Mavs or like the Celtics that ends up falling behind in seeding because, you know, and you can partially blame it on Kobe, you can partially blame it on bad play, you can partially blame it on scheduling, whatever you want, you know, the fact, if you go into a bubble, but you go into the bubble as an eight seed when you're probably a you know a four seed talent, you're having to face a one seed straight off the bat. You know, even if you're in the bubble, you're already behind the eight ball. Like the damage is already done. You know, sure you may not lose anybody during the playoff run, but you know your your seeding's already all off. And so at that point, you know you're not going to necessarily be able to overcome or you may not be you mean there's a chance you can but the but the damage is done and it's it'd be a lot more of a difficult road to overcome even if there was a bubble in the playoffs at this point i think like what you said the season's probably already tainted just let it run out let it play itself out you know it there's really not not much more you can do about it to, to as far as trying to salvage the season in my mind i think you have to look forward to the next season and try and think to get things back on track That's well said. All right, guys. Well, we I know we kept it very superficial as far as the NBA talk goes. Uh, you know, we're kind of just trying to get back into the swing of things. We're going to definitely, you know, get back on our on our schedule. I believe that the plan for now is pods will be releasing on Mondays. Um, we're going to try and, you know, we obviously we may have to record, you know, like today we're recording on a Saturday morning. Um, we may have to record on a Saturday. Hopefully, maybe we can do some Sundays so that when the pod releases, there's not been like a big delay on things happening in the NBA by the time that the pod comes out. But the plan is that Monday's pod should be releasing. You know, we'll talk about all the stuff that we always talk about. You know, obviously, you guys already have our Twitters. Hit us up on Twitter. Let us know if there's stuff, you know, certain things you want us to talk about. Let us know if, you know, what you think, suggestions, you know, positive criticism, negative criticism. I'm going to listen to you. I may not reply, but I'll, I'll take it. Um, you know, obviously our DMs are open. Uh, you guys feel more than welcome to reach out if you want to, you know, put your name in the hat to try and get on the show. We'll definitely take it into consideration. If you just got any feedback for us, if you just want to shout us out, if you want to share the show, hit us up on the Twitters. If you, uh, other than that, guys, stay safe. 